0: Welcome back everyone. This is part 2 of this week's uh podcast series for Roman's Empire. So, um in part 1, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, make sure you go download it. We talk about the uh we uh reviewed the Slavia Prague match, of course, the first leg, and then we also uh reviewed the Liverpool defeat um this past weekend. Um and in this part we're actually going to answer a couple Twitter questions and we're going to have ourselves a good old-fashioned debate about the top 4. So, in between podcasts we actually had to take a little break because uh Som had a little bit of faith in his clippers and they pulled through didn't they Sam? uh zach nobody just... cares Som fuck the clippers <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding um if you're a clipper fan i'm really sorry uh what do you but yeah big big time upset i'm not even get, well let's not get so into basketball in good, here okay party. let's not get yeah, into basketball
1: because we're not because we don't want to talk to. about the lakers right now because they're how bad they are so i just want to give um, a quick let's, reverse uh, shout out to the clippers yeah, yeah, i'm glad
2: look, to have some back in the podcast because he's our version of brand stark where he's like listen guys we don't have time for this crap <laughs> let's, let's focus
1: yeah I, I i do have three eyes so um that that does make sense um <laughs> Yeah, cool. Great transition, right? Um, yeah. So let's uh, let's get into the first Twitter question, shall we? Um, first question is from at N Ward, and he asks, are there any updates on Tony Rudiger? Um, if he's out, do we turn to Christensen? Uh, he says that one article suggests Cahill. <laughs> I don't know. How much of a drop-off will there be in the back four with Rudiger out? Um, Zach, let's start off with
0: you. So – for those of you that don't know, there as of Monday night, which is uh, when we're recording, um, there is no update on Rudiger's situation. Sorry, said after the press conference that uh, that he'll have to get his knee um, examined at Cobham. Simon Johnson reported that uh, when Rudiger was asked about his knee while walking through the mix zone after the match, uh, Rudiger said, "I hope it's not that bad." Um, so obviously, our thoughts and prayers are with. Tony, look, I mean, this is going to be a monumental loss for Chelsea because you can make the argument that he's been our best defender um, throughout the course of the season, and I don't think that that's a crazy argument whatsoever. Um, I think he's been our best defender by far. I mean, we saw Aspi have a little dip in form. We saw Rudiger did have a dip in form um, recently for like two or three matches, but he started out the Liverpool game playing really, really well. And it's just a shame that he went down that way. Um, in terms of Cahill, I would love to see him play again. And I think the only match I would like to see him play in is a slavia Prague match because if he does have a couple rickets in him from being rusty, um, we might be able to recover from that. But in terms of the league, it has to be Christensen and Cahill, doesn't it?
2: Oh, easily. I, I think Christian- Christensen has been extremely underrated this season. Yeah. I think people are-, are quickly jumping to the the Barcelona game from last year and those mental mistakes he made afterwards. Mm-hmm. But I actually think he's a great, great foil to David Luiz and Rudiger. And the way I've mentioned it before, how both of those players are so quick-triggered to, to make a hard tackle and step out of the line while, while Christensen reads the game and is, is looking for that second opportunity to win the ball. So I think they work well together. For me, what it'll come down to... In terms of how our performances will look, is fatigue. You know, some of our players are already starting to look like traveling is is getting to them. We mentioned that in our group text that Jorginho looked a little rusty in the Liverpool game. That even Conte looked a little rusty here and there at parts in the last week. So, mm-hmm. if if we can keep the C, the center backs from building up that fatigue, then hopefully we can keep the performances at a high. Especially because we ask our center backs to do a lot more than your typical center back. A lot of the buildup comes through them. Those those long diagonal balls can come from the back. And if you're tired, your mind's not going to be processing quickly enough to, to make those kind of moves. So I'm hoping that no news is good news and that Ruger can come back healthy pretty soon. But I think for the meantime, Christensen is more than, than a good replacement.
0: I mean, I guess something kind of encouraging is that like we talked about it in part one, like Rudy did get back up after he initially went down and played for about seven or eight minutes before he went down again and eventually got subbed off. So, you know, it was bad enough for him not to finish the match, but it wasn't so bad to the point where he just couldn't put any weight on it initially. Like he he tried to give it a run out and it looked like his knee might've stiffened up on him, um, you know, throughout the seven or eight minutes, he was trying to walk it off and you know, he had to get subbed out as a, rel- as a result. So I think we've been fortunate with, like, the injury situation, especially with our defenders, because we don't have a backup right back, and Dave st- has stayed relatively healthy all season. I don't think he's missed the match. And then, you know, you got guys like Rudiger and and David Luiz, who—David uh, Luiz is, is definitely prone to missing a couple matches, but he's been healthy for a majority of the season and has been playing in most of the matches also. So considering how thin we are at the back, I think we've been super fortunate, and— you know, it's it's it is unfortunate that Rudiger you know had to be the one to go down in this one because I think it's going to be a pretty big loss. Not saying Christensen can't step up and and, and perform, but I just think Rudiger has been our standout defender um, throughout the whole season.
2: And and also quick shout out, we do also have Ampadu back there, so Cahill yeah. isn't the only option. But yeah, we we obviously would rather have Rudiger be in the lineup or at least on the bench.
1: Yeah. All right. um, Next, this is the next thing that I want to talk about. It's worth mentioning. It's not worth getting into. Uh, We've already discussed, unfortunately, we've we've already discussed this exact topic because it happens so often. But, you know, just Chelsea fans just continue digging themselves deeper into a hole as the list of racist chants incidents grow even bigger um, with the Salah is a bomber chant in a pub before the Slavia match. Uh, just the only thing I wanted to add is I'm sure those guys would be very pleased to know that we got two brown kids over here recording this podcast, a uh, Chelsea podcast. Three, if you're so, counting Andres. Yeah, th- yeah, that's a, a different type of brown, but <laughs> still brown. Yes, um, still brown. I, I'm sure that, that that
0: they would love the idea of us. Uh, Better you know, yet, I think I think they'd love the idea of a Muslim, an Arab, and a Venezuelan all. Recording a podcast together, so like you know, that's like a racist sweat dream, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I guess so. Uh,
1: so let's. Uh, I I don't want to give too much attention to this, you know. I mean, it, no, it's, it's not, bad. Uh, yeah. and I don't know if you guys want to get into the Liverpool fans throwing flares into the Chelsea away section. Uh, apparently, you know. There's. I just a want to talk boy. about the double
0: standard. Okay. That, yeah, yeah. Go but ahead like in football, because. Like this is something that bothers me. It's like I'm going on social media and I'm seeing Liverpool fans like go out and apologize for that incident, which is like credit to them, right? Like I saw a few tweets that said like that's shameful. You know, we're sorry that that happened. It's not like – but what about the club itself? They haven't come out and released any sort of statement. Even if the investigation is still pending, they should release a statement saying, you know, we're sorry for the – you know, the incident as a whole and we're going to get to the bottom of it and we're working with authorities. Something along those lines. Like I just feel like it's such a bad PR move on their part. But also the fact that the media is just not mentioning that incident at all. Like th- th- at what point do you have to call out the double standard? You know, like whenever something like that happens with Chelsea, it's front page news for the rest of that week. Something like that happens with Liverpool and you struggle to even – Find more than two or three articles about it, yeah. and I just I just think there's a total double standard in football, and I think, and I like to call it actually selective journalism, where like the journalists know that there's this uh, uh agenda against Chelsea within the media, and 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 and, and they mm-hmm. hype it up, and whenever something bad happens with Chelsea, it's like boom, I'm gonna write a story on it because I'm gonna get a thousand clicks, but when something like that happens with Liverpool, they're like eh. I don't really want to waste my time on it. And I just think that's just absolutely ridiculous. And I think most Liverpool fans will actually agree with me too, mm-hmm. because, like I said, I went on Twitter and I saw actual Liverpool fans like shaming their fans for doing the same exact thing, which to be fair, Chelsea fans do that also with a racist chance and everything. But the fact that Liverpool as a club and the media have just not made as big of a deal about this as it should be. Someone threw a fucking lit up flare into the away stands like they I mean, hospitalized
2: just, hospitalized a kid apparently too yeah
0: it's just absolutely ridiculous on every level
2: yeah it and it's it's a shame that this is part of the game still obviously starting with the racism but the violence too and especially yeah. at liverpool where where there was a minute of silence for the Hill, hillsborough tragedy right yeah. before the match and just for a fan to then do that it, it it's just unnecessary. I'm sure both Chelsea and Liverpool are trying to identify the people involved, both in the videos and then in, in this flare incident to ban these people. But it, uh, to what cost do, do people think that that's necessary? It's 2019. The racism, it, it's ridiculous. And then, of course, what do you benefit from throwing a flare? Like, I, I it's stupid. I, I don't want to yeah. give it any more time.
0: Yeah, I think we could all agree that it's just fucking retarded. And what goes around comes around, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that guy's going to get eventually what came to him. And I feel like if you (laughs) do something like that, you could could plead allegiance to, like, your football club, quote-unquote. But no real football fan goes ahead and does something like that. You're just a poser in my book. Or
1: what comes around around goes around. Liverpool loses – the league title on the last day. <laughs> that sounds like a fair punishment. But I, I think that was going to happen regardless of whether there's <laughs> a flare incident or not. Um, so let's get into the next topic. So according to the mail, very, very reliable source, but according to the mail, Chelsea's a- have actually held talks with three different groups. Uh, both are uh, all three are Asia and us based uh, over a $3.2 billion possible sale of the club. Uh, While the three groups do not include Jim uh, Ratcliffe, which is England's richest man, I'm sure most of our listeners are aware, um, they say he is very much still a potential buyer. Um, What are your guys' thoughts? First of all, do we need to change our podcast's name if this happens? (laughs) Second of all, what are your guys' thoughts? Andreas, I'll start with you.
2: Well, uh, you know, our owner can't step into the country that situation doesn't seem like it's going to go away anytime soon. And as much as recently, I think they came out with a statement. One of the chairmen came out and said, Oh yeah, we speak with him all the time. I think that was just to calm the waters because this is this, these headlines have been going on for quite a while now. So what again, supposed to say too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it, as it a businessman, which we all know, Roman is for sure a businessman. He can't, have as much of a his hand in the cookie jar, I guess, to in his own club, because of this visa ban. So how can he feel like he's involved in this project when he can't really participate? So I can see why he's leaning towards selling, he feels betrayed by, you know, the UK, because he brings money to the to their, you know, brings money, brings jobs to their people, and, and he can't even still run his club. So I think it's it's likely that he's listening to buyers. Unless he gets the money he wants, he won't sell. But it's a double edged sword when it comes to ownership. You know, we can have someone like the PSG and City ownership that are gonna b- bring loads of money into the club for the better, or we can end up with maybe what happened at AC Milan with their most recent Chinese owners, where they didn't know how to run the club, and now they're in real deep shit with the uh, with FFP to where they might not even get to play Champions League. So I I don't know how to feel about it. It could be great if we choose the right buyer or if the right buyer comes. What about Steve but, Ballmer? He's doing a pretty good job with the Clippers. I mean, I don't know if he's even listed. Sorry, I had to, I had um, to say that. Yeah, technically, I, I mean, the Liverpool owners are American, and, and I mean, we're finally seeing – yeah, we're still. Well, that's
0: LeBron what I'm talking James about. So it's a portion of that team, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Le- LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron I was owns about uh, Liverpool. Yeah. I
2: was, thinking, <laughs> I was saying, like, it's either oh. a Chinese kind of situation or you have an Arsenal situation where uh-huh. just they just don't know what they're doing. But yeah, yeah. yeah
1: Le- but LeBron is it, Liverpool is owned by an American. LeBron owns the whole thing, yeah. right? Yeah. He, I think he has an majority <laughs> yeah, share, sure. something like that. Um, don't don't fact check that. Um, so yeah, uh, Zach, you, you, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean.
0: I'm not gonna name names per se, but uh, there was a kid that I coached. His dad's West Ham, like like proper West Ham. Okay, yeah. Um, and and he has a buddy who's actually good friends with uh, Mr. Bruce Buck. Wow. And so you're, uh, you're,
1: you're making this you're you're making this report official now.
0: I'm not you're... making the report official. This is just what he told me. I don't know if he's reliable or not. I only met the guy like four or five months ago. And okay. I haven't seen him. So in this God is breaking all.
1: news. Okay, cool.
0: Got it. But f- according to him, according to his friend, Roman is not interested in selling to an English or British party because of his hard feelings due to his diplomatic situation. Um, so, you know, like that's, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying it's valid. I'm not saying it's invalid, but when I think about it, it does kind of make sense because you know, you alluded to England's richest businessman, like being interested in the club. If he's the richest person in England, I'm sure he gave Roman an offer already. And I'm sure it was a fair offer at that. So I, I I guess my main concern with like the whole Roman selling the club thing is a part of me. Like, of course you see the positive in, you know, and, an oil country or like one of the Gulf Arab countries, you know, Prince or Sheik or whatever, however you want to put it, buying the club like PSG or Man City and just unloading like half a billion, like in one off season. Like, of course that would be great. And we could attract top talent and bring in top players. But then you look at clubs like that, like PSG and like city, and do they really have that much of a culture? You know, like they, they've seemed to lose that mystique. You look at, you look at clubs like AC Milan that you just talked about where they had that Chinese investment group go in and buy it and they sort of lost their identity like as a, as a club and the fan base themselves, at least the original fan bases feel sort of disconnected to the club in that sense, because like you lose that club culture and that club tradition that you've had for so many years. And I think that's one thing that Roman needs to be uh, praised for is that like he has kept, a tradition at Chelsea going like the liquidators still plays before every single home match, you know, like we, we still have, you know, ex players coming back to the club and getting involved and integrated. Somehow we still see players that used to play for us in the sixties and seventies and the terraces and in the, and in the stands still watching matches. And you don't really see that much with PSG or city. That's the one concern I have about, you know, like a really rich owner just coming in and completely like changing the face of the club. But yeah, I mean, if Roman does change the club, or if Roman does sell the club, like, we're in trouble, man. We literally just created a hashtag, like, a couple weeks ago. So, like, <laughs> yeah, we got to go through that whole process again. Ron, where are you at, buddy? Like, we need you to create us another hashtag if we do change the podcast. Yeah, I think there's a lot of title. work that
1: goes into creating hashtags. So, I mean, it would be rough to see all that effort gone to waste but
0: um... and remember when me and you were brainstorming podcast titles some before we even recorded our first episode and we wrote down a list and all those names were already taken so like <laughs> there's a lot of
1: failed uh chelsea podcasts out there and uh, yeah i mean like we're, like, like we're, thank... we're
0: one of we're gonna be one of them <laughs> thank, thank god i was a history major at the time taking like an ancient rome class so like i was just like oh roman's empire yeah, but like you
1: did not think of it it was me what what is wrong with you are you serious did you think of, it? of course what are you talking no, about?
2: Oh, no no way, no well, okay. as the new guy, I'm gonna say well, it, we it can was, scratch this conversation yeah. <laughs> for was, another time. It was time.
1: definitely not Andreas. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> that's, no, Andre, Andres okay. was the one that took Star Spangled Blues. Remember, like, like we, we oh, were looking no. for we something
2: patriotic. Yeah,
0: no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, the- we have a, we have a backup plan to fall back on. Worst case.
0: That you know Come what? On, that man. is very true. Oh, but we're 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 like we're all in this together now, guys. Like, okay, how about that name? How about, that... how about we table this conversation? For, like, the day it like Roman actually <laughs> sells the club. And then we find out who he sells the club to. Like, it would be perfect if he sold the club to somebody where we could come up with, like, a really punny yeah, podcast we're witty and have, like jump on it we We're, we're not
1: have to think of something else like that. Um, yeah. So let's, yeah get into the, so let's get into this next question. Um, so Chelsea right now are in a three-team uh, race against also Arsenal and United. Uh, for the Lipzig uh, talent hunter, Paul Mitchell also known for his uh shampoo and conditioner products <laughs> uh the funny thing is he actually he's bald i looked up a picture of him and he's bald that's really unfortunate uh he probably doesn't use paul mitchell products but anyway um he's a na- powerball yeah <laughs> nagelsman has told uh, rb lipzig that he wants to keep mitchell if possible but if the offers are high enough he may move um so, what are your guys' thoughts on this, and do we even have a chance at getting him? Zach, I'll I'll start off with you.
0: I don't believe anything until I see it. Like, uh it, it's been almost two years without a director of football now, more You're than two years. Right? You're the most
1: skeptical person I've ever met.
0: No, you no, really say that. But, no, but seriously, like the club have shown no willingness or desire to even like pursue filling that position. It almost seems like they've just wiped that position completely off their books and marina absorbed you know the the responsibilities of you know a person that the, the she she basically absorbed all the responsibility that emanalo used to have so now she's making the calls in terms of transfers and she's you know doing the hirings and firings and uh, and you know we all have our own opinions of marina and some of them might differ <sighs> But uh, like I don't we, think they all we, differ.
1: I, th- we, I, think, I think they're <laughs> all pretty aligned in one direction.
0: We, we do need a director of football. So like the fact that we're starting to see more reports is a welcome si- is a welcome sign. But again, like I'm not gonna believe anything until until I actually see it come to fruition.
2: Yeah, right. I, yeah, ahead, I'm pretty skeptical as well about this, at least. It looks like we're trying to find a new plan because it's, I think I read that Luis Campos is going to Roma. Yeah. So, yeah, at least there's some buzz. I really don't think that this is true, again, because of how the board and the OIP has worked so far. I don't think Marina is going to give up that power unless Roman finally decides to step in and, and appoint someone. But again, he's been kind of just sitting back and and letting things play out. So not feeling too good about it. Maybe this potential club sell will push for a new structure in the background. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping
1: for too. Then I think that's also like, like, like when I hear about that and I see the way that the club has been heading the last couple of years, obviously Roman's time here has been nothing short of you know a, a brilliant success because of how much how, you know all the silverware that we've brought in during his tenure but the last couple of years it just seems like with the complications of his visa problem you know he, he doesn't seem very as hands-on and I mean I mean he never really was too hands-on but we just had you know a director of football in place and you know that that's this is obviously not a priority for him right now in his life I feel and um, you know, if 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 bringing on someone else to spurn that change and finally move on in the direction that we we all know, every single Chelsea fan knows, you know which direction we need to we need to go in order to to you know continue to succeed, you know then maybe maybe a sale will bring that. I don't know. It it it, it, it all depends on. I mean, not not a sale, but yeah, I'm bringing in someone. Uh, I'm I'm kind of tying in the two questions together, but you know it's. It, they go hand
0: in hand. I think something else that's interesting to point out is maybe we are seeing these reports um, right now. You know, like really starting to we're, we're, we are seeing more reports. Like right, Sam, you mentioned Luis Campos. That's a name that we've been linked with. You know, and and now we have this guy from RB Leipzig. But I just want to mention, and it's worth noting that uh, Mislintan is leaving is leaving Arsenal at the end of the season, right? So they're going to need a director of football, and Man United is going to need a director of football also. So you know we're not going to be the only club in England competing for a director of football, and I think a huge, huge factor in appointing one is not only the transfer ban because that's the obvious one, but Champions League football. Mm -hmm. So like if you're, if you're a director of football looking for a job, right? you're going to look at Man United and that's going to probably be the first one to perk your ears up just because of the history and the resources there, you know, and you already have the shell of a, 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 you already have a decent squad. You look at clubs like Arsenal and Chelsea and you're thinking, eh, I'm kind of skeptical because you don't really know if they're going to qualify for champions league. And they're clubs that have, you know, not necessarily been self-sustaining, but have definitely veered away from, you know, making those big splashes in the transfer markets. But then you also have, you know, Uh, the dark cloud over Chelsea, which we just talked about, is like Roman might not even be here much longer. So if you're a director of football looking for a job, are you really looking at Chelsea as a realistic option or are you just going to kind of wait it out and see what happens first? And, you know, if you wait it out and see what happens, then clubs like Arsenal and Manu could just come and swoop you up. So I think we're in a really tough spot here. And that's what I I mean, you know, when I say, like, I'm not going to believe anything until I see it. Because, like, as as much as we see transfer wars for certain players in the market and, and in certain windows, I think we're going to see that now with the director of football because now there's three clubs in England that are looking for someone to fill in that role. And they all have th- something completely different to offer. Yeah. Like, you go to Arsenal, they have a great coach. You know, uh, y- you go to Chelsea, there's not really much there. <laughs> I mean, Hazard's <laughs> about to leave. You know, you got to go mean, Conte. Cho. That's always nice. We have Cho. Yeah. We have our yeah, yeah. You know Come what? on. You know what? No, no, no. Actually, scratch that. And I'm sorry, Chelsea fans. I'm apologizing. Because if you look at Chelsea, you're looking at their youth academy. And Christian and Pulisic saying,
1: coming in next year? Come
0: that on. That is a big well, – well, well, that's a big thing for directors of football because they oversee the youth academies also. And mm-hmm. then you also got, you know, Man United. I mean, we don't really need to vouch for Man United. You're going to work with Sir Alex, you know, Old Trafford. Theater of Dreams, Historic Club, it, Paul Pogba, you know, you, you got guys there that you could build around. You know, it, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what it's, happens. Yeah,
1: certainly, like the timing is is really what makes it interesting because there's a lot, you know, like these these three clubs, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, you know, the, like these are these are dream jobs for you know yeah. for any any you know any executive in in soccer. Um, but. Yeah. I think at the end of the day it's going to be you know the, the top dogs are going to look at every situation and see which one's the best one for them and and a lot of it is going to hinge on whether we make champions league or not um but i, I think that that's a good transition into the next topic that we're going to get into um chelsea eric he asked a very short question but it's a question that requires a very long answer
0: I actually chopped it up from a longer question. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> shout out the here. A
1: very long question that Zach chopped up to a very short question, which requires a very long answer. He asks, "Is the top four dream over?" I, I, I officially pronounced the top four dream to be dead weeks ago. Okay, and this was maybe a little bit out of you know emotion reaction to I forget what weekend that came after. But I, I strictly remember the me yeah me saying definitively 49ers. that there's no chance. I mean, and Zach was saying, oh, you know, maybe not. Maybe there is one. And I'm saying, no, Zach, you really seriously think we still have a chance? But um, I don't know. At this point, it, it requires very deep, thorough analysis. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to break it down. So right now, the league table, the top two, that that's that's a different story. It's a, it's a battle between Liverpool and Man City right now at eighty five, and eighty three uh, points respectively, um, with Man City with a game in hand as well. Um, so right now the battle is is, is it's going to come down to three to six, and uh, those the 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 teams that take up those spots are going to be Spurs, Arsenal, uh, Man U, and of course us. Um, so those last four spots, um, only two of them are going to make it into Champions League. So l- l- I'm going to l- let's let's go team by team. Um, we'll start off with Spurs right now, because right now they're currently sitting in third uh, with 67 points and a game in hand uh, against Chelsea. Uh, and every all of all these four teams, uh, the, the other three teams all have a game in hand on Chelsea right now. Um so their remaining schedule, they have City away, Brighton at home, West Ham at home, Bournemouth away, Everton at home. So not not the toughest uh, remaining schedule. Of course, that City um, at the Etihad is, is, is going to be tough. But um, also, just in addition, Kane is also out for the foreseeable future, probably going to miss the rest of the season. Um, so out of... Out of remaining 15 points, possible points, um, how many points will they pick up and where will they finish? Well, actually, don't we won't say where will they finish because we'll save that for the end. Um, but, Zach, I'll start off with you. How many points do they pick up?
0: So, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule and, like, you mentioned City away. I think that's City. So there's three points dropped out of, what, potential 15?
1: I mean, we can't rule that out also just because – you can see what happened last week and and I think and then I think after this week I'll have a better understanding if if they pull out a win again I mean it it's it's not going to be you know I don't think
0: I, basically I don't think Pep is making the same mistake twice especially at home
1: Okay yeah um,
0: so I mean city away that's probably a loss you know you got brighton at home Brighton looks like they are safe unless uh um Cardiff do something absolutely ridiculous and win their last five matches which they're not so i mean i'm gonna say 12 points here because you know you you look at the games that could be banana peels you look at bournemouth away and you look at everton at home and those are the last two games of the season and both of those two teams they don't really have anything to fight for so usually at that stage of the season the games are pretty lethargic they're pretty boring um and you know spurs are obviously going to be up for it because you know they're anticipating a tough run in in these next five games so i'm gonna say spurs pick up at least 12 out of the next 15 points and i think if they get anything less it would be considered a disappointment even without harry kane
2: yeah i mean you mentioned that kane's not playing and he is extremely vital to what they do but deli ali right now is doubtful with his injury so that might be a one-two Whoa. punch you can't really replace uh you mentioned that they also are still in champions league and i think that's going to be the biggest kind of factor for them if they can maintain their lead and move on to the next round i think that they can maybe drop points apart from the 12 even more than the 12 points you're you're tallying them up for the remainder of the season so i'm with you where i think that city is going to do everything and anything they possibly can to to win out so i'm putting that game as a loss but if they're in the next round so in the what would that be the semis for the champions league there is a big big chance that they drop points in the premier league because once you get so close to glory you're gonna fall for that and at that point you're three games away from being the champions of europe spurs have a very thin squad so i can only see them struggling if they juggle the league and champions league so
0: and they have yeah. a very
2: colorful history of
0: bottling it too. So. <laughs> also true.
2: You know the the
1: the point of the of Spurs. You know having Champions League, all four of these teams are still in international European competition. Um, uh, Spurs and Man U and in, in Champions League, in Arsenal and us in Europa. So, I mean, I think that. I mean, obviously between Man City and Tottenham, only one of them is going to move on. Uh, me and you they have a tricky matchup so it seems like they're not going to move on to the next round but us and arsenal i mean judging off the first leg it seemed like you know we're we're expected to advance and hopefully we're probably going to meet each other in the final yeah yeah. i mean that's that's that that is ideal situation for (laughs) for us obviously i mean uh, I would love to play a team like Arsenal in the final. It's a shitty team that we can just. But even
0: make. in that situation, don't you think Arsenal would be more well equipped to make the yeah, cup run? Yeah, that's my
2: biggest fear. I think because uh, like, cause uh,
0: like I'm looking, I'm looking at okay. For one, not, uh, uh, Should we just move on to Arsenal? Because I'm gonna. Yeah. Wait, go but here's here's my right
1: question, now. real quick. If if yeah if, if Arsenal and us finish four and five whichever direction, and we meet in the Europa League Championship. Doesn't that guarantee that both of us will advance?
0: No. No, it's only the winner which, uh, goes to Champions League. Okay, but right. but okay, well, I, you, let's you don't, say you don't
2: gain you don't gain an extra spot or lose sure? a spot because yeah.
1: if, if the if the fourth best team uh, if if the team in fourth place wins Europa, they win an automatic bid from the Europa League. So wouldn't that also? I mean, that's what happened with Man United couple years but ago mania was
2: sixth place so the top right. four stick and then he you're joined right. so i think if that would happen i think one of the lower leagues gets to get an fight. extra slot yeah oh, i don't think that, that we horrible. just magically get an like a to get bumped up we gotta i don't we gotta, think that's how it works yeah i gotta so, i gotta double so, check so, that
0: so you're not saying a uh, wolverhampton europa league 2020 <laughs> no
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, Wolves, Wolves, baby. Um, okay, I so love to see yeah, the... Zach, you 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 started it. Let, let, let's get into Arsenal real quick, okay? So Arsenal yeah. sitting uh, in fourth place with just one point less than the Spurs at sixty six points, also with a game in hand uh, against Chelsea. Um, the
0: remaining they schedule... also ahead, they're only ahead of us on goal differential. I think that's worth noting too. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, the remaining schedule: Palace at home, Wolves away. Leicester away, Brighton at home Burnley away so that that, that is a really really good looking uh, schedule for them remaining definitely out of the four it's probably the easiest um, Arsenal just picked up their first away win earlier today against Watford in a joke, absolute joke of a match uh, okay. that saw uh, a ridiculous goal uh, from the keeper's feet right into Aubameyang's uh, foot into the back of the net, and then a, a, a crazy red card for for Troy Dini So they are played with Way 10 to go, men Ben Foster. In the first after the first ten minutes, so um, just re- incredibly unlucky break for us. Um, <laughs> unlu- unlucky for Watford, but more unlucky for us. So I listed those names out of the remain. I listed those games out of the remaining fifteen possible points. How many will they pick up, Andreas? I'll start off with you.
2: So Arsenal is in this weird run of form where they're winning both when they deserve it and like today where it's just ugly. So it's it's really hard for me to predict that. With that said, they have an awful, awful away form. Um, they have an easier international competition like we do in the Europa League. So I really see them – let's see, they have five games left. I think they only slip once in in one of these and actually outright lose and we all know how good wolves are at home versus the top six so i'm looking at that game but if that game doesn't bring them a loss maybe Leicester will so i think they'll drop three points worst case scenario for chelsea best case scenario you know they maybe drop five points because they'll tie one of the games it's just you know they're their opposition isn't playing for much at this point compared to, you know, Chelsea and United have. So that's – I think they have an even better chance in Spurs of making the top four.
0: I'm going to disagree with you, Andres, um, mm-hmm. for a couple reasons. You know, Arsenal picked up their first uh, away win and away clean sheet of the season. Well, they picked up their first away clean sheet of the season today, but their first away win in 2019 – their away form is pretty abysmal, and I'm looking at the matches that they're playing away, and those are difficult. I mean, I'm looking at Wolves away. Wolves are a side that are still very... I know they don't have anything to play for in terms of, like, they're they are very much safe. Uh, they're, they're, they're a lock for the top half of the, of the Premier League table, but they're still... They want to be the best of the rest, and they have that motivation and that drive in them. So I think that could be a very, very tricky fixture. We as Chelsea fans um and also you know united fans and didn't they take points off of city earlier in the season too i think they were the first team to take points off city also i mean they're just like basically the top six masters so i think that wolves away is super tricky for them and you also look at leicester away the king power is never an easy place to go play at um whether or not leicester is going to be up for the match is a completely different story but i think those are two matches where they could potentially drop points and I know their first match that they play this weekend is Palace at home. And Palace beat Man City this season. So they're no mugs either. And uh, Agent Michi is definitely going to be looking to get on a score sheet for this one. But like, you when you think about it, I mean, they have a London derby at, uh, uh, in terms of the Palace match. Then they have to go to Molyneux and play Wolves, which is one of the toughest places to go to. Then they got to go to King Power, which is another tough place to play at. Those are three very tough games back-to-back. I won't be surprised to see them drop at least five points in the next five matches. And, like, I'm not saying that just because I hate Arsenal, but I think it's something that's very realistic. If you watched a Watford match today, they won 1-0 because Ben Foster (laughs) literally, like— he was two yards out from the goal, received the ball, took a, the worst first touch I've ever seen, tried to clear his lines, and it literally bounced off of Shin into the back of the neck, net. And then Troy Dini gets sent off 10 minutes into the first half after going down 1-0. Arsenal played with 11 men against 10 men for 80 minutes and did not score another goal to put the game to bed. And we actually have an Arsenal friend. Shout out to Mazin. I don't know if he still listens to our podcast. But, like, we have an Arsenal friend in our group chat, and and he was actually telling us, like, thank God Troy Deeney got sent off because Watford would be killing us if they had 11 players because Watford were up for it, even without Troy Deeney. Like, if you guys watched the game, like, Will Hughes balled up today. And, like, uh, uh, Andre Gray, another player that just played so well. Like, Arsenal easily could have dropped points. They haven't looked convincing as of late. And they got the Europa League to deal with also. But there is something I want to mention about the Europa League, going back to my point. you know, Arsenal is a team that we have to worry about if we play them in the final because, one, they have more squad depth than us. They have more goals than us, more goals in their side. And they also have a manager that's won the competition multiple times. Like Unai Emery specializes in the Europa League. Like I'm convinced that's why Arsenal hired him to be their manager <laughs> because they they're thinking, okay, if we finish outside the top four – unai will get us the the europa league because that's basically how he made a name for himself so yeah i think arsenal drop at least five points in the next five matches and no i do not want to see them in the europa league final i think that's worst case scenario
1: yeah i was being a little bit sarcastic when i said that um
0: <laughs> all right let's get into uh we'll do we'll do chelsea
1: last because we'll save the best for last obviously um so, Man United sitting two points behind Chelsea right now at six with, a, again, a game in hand. The remaining schedule, well, also, Man United luckily scraped out a win on Saturday uh, with two penalties, uh, an unreal save from De Gea, and a disallowed goal. Um, just <laughs> making this title, I mean, the top four race, just so much more dreadful for us. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I like feel like everything that is going that can go wrong has been going wrong for us. But going through their remaining schedule at Everton, uh, City at home, Chelsea at home, uh, Hudders at Huddersfield, Cardiff at home. So uh, arguably, that's that is. I mean, not, I think it's pretty clear that's the most difficult run uh, out of the other teams fighting for the top four. Um, so out of those five matches, out of the possible remaining fifteen points, Zach, I'll start off with you. What? Wh- how many points do they finish with?
0: I think I think they're going to drop points against City. There's there's no way that de- that defense is going to be able to you know keep City from putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, and and I think we're going to get another Phil Jones special in that match too. But like like we're going to get another one of those like absolutely priceless pictures um of him like diving like over Leroy Sané trying to headbutt you know the ball that's already on the ground instead of using his feet Uh, that's just how bad Phil Jones is as a player and that's just how bad Man United's defense is so I think that match um against City is pretty much you know three points to City right there they have to go to Everton and that's a very tough place to play Mm -hmm. um because what better way for Everton to flex their muscle than to defeat Liverpool's rivals, right? Like, this is probably the biggest rivalry in the Premier League in Liverpool and Man United. And we obviously know the Everton-Liverpool cross-town rivalry. So I think Everton's going to definitely want to try to get one up on their uh, Merseyside counterparts and and, uh, and beat Man United. That's a tough match. Um, Chelsea at home obviously that's going to be a tough one. We're going to be up for it. They're going to be up for it. And then the next two Huddersfield and Cardiff, you know, not that big of a deal. I think they're going to drop points against City. Like I said, picking up six points um, between the Everton match and the match that they play against us is also going to be a tough task for them. I'm going to say that they drop somewhere between four and six points between now and the end of the season.
2: I think they drop more than that because they go, they have to travel to Barcelona midweek. And again, it's a very, Mm -hmm. very winnable game. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) Um, If you're you're, you're Chelsea, it is. On paper, it is a very winnable game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but we've learned through the hard way that this season, nothing on paper is is guaranteed.
2: Right. But you're traveling to Spain trying to beat Barcelona, so you're going to go with everything. Come back and have to play at Everton, where Chelsea, just a couple weeks ago, at Everton, got smacked 2-0. So, again, I'm hoping that Everton will show out, like, like Zach said. I think Tomorrow City yeah um, I I think City will beat them and of course with us I think that's going to be at least a draw for for Chelsea's benefit so right there let's say they tie Everton potentially lose so there they drop 2 points they lose to City 3 points 5 then they tie with us to have a draw there that's two more so I'm th- I'm thinking they're going to drop 7 points wow I mean
1: I th- I think I think I think out of those four teams I think Man U finishes the lowest. Um, yeah. We'll, let's quickly run through Chelsea's uh, four remaining matches, and then we'll we'll give our final predictions of how the top six looks at the end of the season. So, four remaining games: um, Burnley at home, United away. We we just discussed Watford at home, Leicester away. So again, the other sides have a game in hand. Out of these. Uh, 12 possible points how many do we walk away with zach what do you think
0: uh okay you can call me crazy or just flat out stupid um but i'm gonna say we could at least come out with 10 points and that's assuming that we pick up a draw at old trafford but i'm gonna be honest with you guys like i'm not very high up on man united in general I think they hired Solskjaer a little too early. I don't think their defense is, you know, going to hold up for the rest of the season. And I think that we could actually take United away. Um, And and, and you guys also got to keep in mind too, and this is a huge factor in, you know, me picking Chelsea to beat United is, it's probably going to be Hazard's last time playing at Old Trafford. So, you know, he's going to show out at that game. Um, Especially, you know, just the implications of the match alone are going to get him up for it. Besides the fact that it's his last match at Old Trafford Watford at home, they're not going to have much to play for. Um, especially if they lose the cup final, you know, their season's going to be over and then Lester away, uh, on the last day of the season, again, another team that's not going to have anything to play for. And I think if our top four, um, I think if, you know, it comes down to Lester away, I think we should, you know, um, Remind Leicester who helped them win the Premier League title in 15-16. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and you know, just give them, like, a helpful reminder. Like, hey, you guys remember when we beat Spurs? And you guys kind of owe us. Get us into the Champions League. Um But, yeah, I, I think minimum 10 points. But I will not be surprised if we go through and just steamroll over Burnley, United, Watford, and then on the last day, you know, pick up a... Uh, a win at Leicester and walk away with 12 points. I'm being optimistic about this. I think that Oof. I think that, that's a good deal. Uh,
1: that to you know to to have them get us you know get us back for that title uh, season. I mean, I, I, think <laughs> I think it's a fair it's trade. Fair. Yeah, of course, I mean you know title for I, I... you know Champions League spot. It's only fair.
0: I do think that they paid us back though. I mean, yeah. they did sell us N'Golo Conte for only 30 million. Yeah, and only uh, Danny Drinkwater
1: for um... more than Conte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, so we're we're not even after all. We 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 we, we, we they still owe us. Danny Drinkwater,
0: if you're listening to this from your jail cell. Jail cell? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> is that where he's been?
1: Uh, I, no, was, I was wondering he, where
0: he was. <laughs> I know All I know is that he got a DUI and then they went back to Cobham and it was, you know, whatever. You want to live your life. You, you,
1: you, I'm jealous of, of your lifestyle right now, Ross. I mean, not Ross Barkley. Uh, Danny, <laughs> Danny I want I want to be you. Um, okay, so let's – how about this? So I I I haven't been keeping tallies of what what you guys predicted. Uh, I'm doing a bad job as host, but you guys prepared your top six, and I'll tell you which one I agree with the most. So Zach, pre- please present your top six.
0: My top six in order. So I have <laughs> and uh, I have City winning the title. Mm. I have Liverpool coming in second. Haha! <laughs> Fuck you, Liverpool. <laughs> uh. It, Chelsea fans are gonna hate me, but I have Spurs finishing in third just because I think their run in is fairly simple, and I think guys like Son and and, and Lucas are uh, guys that could step up and kind of fill a void temporarily. And you know they're really only being asked to fill a void for the next four matches or five matches, so I think they'll do that. Uh, so Spurs in third, Chelsea in fourth. Yes, I'm being optimistic. Um, Arsenal in fifth, and I have United finishing in six.
2: Well, mine's a very different.
1: Andreas, yeah, just just so you know, I already am I'm siding with Zach on his because he has Chelsea in the top four, and I know that you don't. So,
2: <laughs> well, uh, the ahead. only thing Zach and I agree on is sixth place being United because <laughs> yes. cool. as much as Liverpool's biggest opponent so far this season has been the wind, I think that Liverpool is actually going to win the league. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it, I I literally just had a pain in my side as I said that because that's the last <laughs> thing I want to see. But, I mean, they're winning ugly. We, we mentioned that. That's how you win titles. Yeah, you have to. They're getting lucky. And, and that's what champions scrape mean. Scrape by, exactly. Yeah. You just have to scrape by. You don't have to be the best team on the pitch every single week. You just have to get the result. And, and they can win pretty. They can win ugly. And so I, I, and the fact that they keep playing first and keep putting the pressure back on City, because City's is has a g- game in hand to Liverpool. I just think that that pressure is eventually going to to break them. And the fact that City still, they're not. Most of the teams in this list are in two competitions. City technically is in three. They still have a cup final. Yeah. So the fact that they're going for a quadruple, that is a crap ton of pressure. Liverpool is just trying to win the league. I'm sure that they're going to try to win the Champions League, but for them it's just the league. And and the biggest mental block was the Gerrard slip, and and they handled that just fine. Robertson slipped, and they still beat us. So I have Liverpool first. Yeah, but but
0: Demba Ba didn't get the ball. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And and to be fair, Willian did make such a good run on the opposite side of Iguain, but Iguain just – did not want to look in Williams like like he, oh, he could have man. easily played Williams. We mm. needed another
2: slippy G moment. Oh, we needed it, but that. we didn't get it. So I have City second again. I think the quadruple pressure is going to get to them. Unfortunately, when they need it, need to be as on their game as possible. Then I have Arsenal in third. I mentioned it earlier. They freaking won a game today because of a goalkeeper mistake, and and they're also scoring. But when they're on it, they're scoring goals for fun. So. For me, I as I hate the fact that these two teams are going to end up on top ahead of us. In my prediction, I got Tottenham then in fourth. I think that they have such an easy schedule, and their their squad players show up when they're needed. And Zach mentioned, alluded to it that Son, Lucas, th- those guys perform when Kane is hurt to maintain their their league standings. I don't see it changing at any, at this point now then i have us in fifth but i have the caveat that we will win the europa league just because that <laughs> because you don't
1: want to make the the listeners mad that's why right?
2: partially but <laughs> think about it we always play so much better in elimination games we almost beat yeah. city in the capital one cup uh, yes we lost to united in the fa cup but in the process you know we've beaten liverpool we beat tottenham these games where on paper, most people would say, no, you know, I'm going to go with this other team. We ended up being on top and and Zach mentioned it. we have Eden Hazard and Hazard may most likely be leaving this season, but there's no way he leaves on a bad note, whether that's getting us into the top four in the league or squeezing out a Europa League victory to get us into the Champions League. One of those two is going to happen and and I realistically think it'll be the Europa League.
0: Well, every time Hazard flirts with Madrid, he always starts, like, the flirtation with, like, I'm still at Chelsea and we still have the Europa League and the top four. Like, he always starts with that, and then it's like, oh, yeah, Zidane, yeah, he's my, he was my favorite player. <laughs> it's just, like, you know, ha- Hazard's clearly motivated to, like, end on a high, but also with that being said... If we don't get, the, if we don't win the Europa League and we don't qualify for Champions League, like that does not put a stain or an asterisk next to Hazard's name in terms of, of like the all-time Chelsea greats. Like he's always going to be a legend, no matter. Like he cannot do anything between now and the rest of the season that will change any Chelsea fan's opinion on how great he actually was and how great of a servant he was. So, yeah. I I just don't like that you have Chelsea finishing outside the top four, Andres. It's,
1: but no, I I but I do. It like, does make sense. If I'm, yeah, that, if, that's a sad point. If I had to be completely honest, like. It's, pro- it's more I, I'd logical. Have, yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to see like us finishing out of the top four. But with that being said, it probably means that we'll be playing our strongest lineups in the Europa League matches. And resting players for our league matches, which was a, uh, which, which, you know. Is gonna be, which is gonna be interesting, but the uh, uh, the only thing that this means is that our Champions League hopes are not dead yet. We still have yes. a chance. Um, Zach, we were gonna get into the the previews, but we're running pretty long on time. I think that uh, we can just quickly just mention uh, the two matches upcoming. Obviously, uh, second leg of of the Slavia Prague tie. Uh, at home on Thursday. Um, so far, Chelsea have won every Euro- uh, European home match this season. So hoping that they keep it up and we finish with another win. We already discussed, uh, you know, what we what we want out of the second leg in the first part. Uh, if you guys haven't listen, listened to that yet, check it out. Um, then uh, this weekend against uh, uh, against Burnley at the bridge. Uh, Burnley only, a, you know, sitting 11 points out of the drop zone right now. Um, They've conceded 60 goals this season. One of the worst uh, defenses, you know, a a bottom five defense in the whole entire league.
0: Usually not synonymous with Sean Dyche. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. A.K.A.
1: the Ginger Mourinho. A.K.A. Mr.
0: 442.
1: (laughs) But uh, they they are in good form, having won their last three uh, Premier League matches. Uh, against Wolves, Bournemouth, and Cardiff, so I I, I don't want to give them the disrespect of not giving a thorough preview because I feel like every time we do that we just rush through the preview we end up losing <laughs> and looking like jackasses the next week. But uh, you know uh, what, what do you do you guys what are you guys' predictions on this match?
2: All right. I I just want to call a spade a spade in terms of the Europa League preview. Mm -hmm. That 11 is going to pick itself. We've seen it all season. We may get Gary Cahill in there again, maybe due to injury. But the rest of them, we know exactly what we're going to get. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the Burnley match, yes, when we do think, oh, yeah, this will be an easy win, we usually don't. But at this point, it's not even about an easy win or an ugly win or whatever. It just needs to be a win. I don't care if we finish with nine players on the pitch or we scored with three handballs at this point. Chelsea need three points, and I will take them however they come. Whether somebody dove, yes, I'll be disappointed, but good God, we need those three points. And, yeah, I I will just take it 1-0, 3-2, 5-4, 6-0, whatever. Just give me the three points.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think the Slavia Prague match is uh, – I think it's going to be it, – it has – we talk about it in part one. It has a potential to not be very comfortable, but I think if Chelsea go out there and execute their game plan, it should be very comfortable. So, you know, obviously we're going to advance, I hope. Um, and then in terms of the Burnley match, I mean, Sam mentioned the Ginger Mourinho it they're going to be pragmatic. They're going to sit back. They're going to make it difficult. I don't think it's going to be high scoring, but I do think that we are going to get a win. So Andres's wishes do come true. And <laughs> there, there's even icing on the cake for you, Andres. I think Cho is going to get his first Premier League goal.
1: Ooh, let's okay. do that.
0: So let's hope that let's hope that that actually happens. Yeah, I think that was my most solid prediction of the season. Probably the only one I'll get right. Yeah, you know, and I feel like let's show.
2: Remember, remember when
1: every week uh, we our our bold prediction is that Cho will get his first Premier League start, <laughs> and it would never come true. <laughs> it would never ever happen.
2: And once we stopped begging, it happened. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Interestingly stubborn, enough, stubborn. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Anyways, um. Yeah, I mean, guys, that that, that wraps up uh, both podcasts for this week. So good stuff, as always. Um, make sure if you guys are listening to uh, follow us on Twitter at RomansEmpirePod. You could also email us, RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're on any third-party app. You can download us on Android, Apple. Um, you know, Just just make sure you listen to us. And By the way, if you guys like the show, make sure you reach out and like let us know. We love getting feedback from you guys. And also a side note, we have inducted a couple uh, Romans Empire Pod Ultras to the show, and they've been great um, with sending us questions and and uh, just you know banter on Twitter, good banter, obviously. Um, so shout out to the Romans Empire Pod Ultras. But also, if you guys listen to the show and you have a Twitter and you haven't tweeted at us yet, make sure you tweet at us. Like yeah, ask us heck? questions. We will literally give you a shout-out. Like, honestly, you, you only have to maybe ask two or three questions uh, before you become a Roman's Empire pod ultra. Like, you know what? I think we need to start incentivizing the whole ultra thing. Like, maybe we should make, like, pins or something like that. I think that might be a good idea, it's something we should look into. I
1: actually have my uh, LA uh, Chelsea Blues pin right here.
0: Southern ah, California branch. Nice. Yeah. So you're gonna give somebody your LHLC Blues pin? No, no way. I'm holding on to that. This is a this is one of my prized possessions. <clears> shout out to Dexter and Sujin and Tiny, yeah, by the way. Out. And shout and Ron. Sujin. And Ron. Ron's a part of the LHLC Blues too, yeah. so like they're all super duper dope people. Cool shout daddy. out to all you guys. Bone we daddy love Bone deluxe. Bone daddy deluxe. And uh on behalf of the Romans Empire Pod, thanks you for listen thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Keep the blue flag flying. high.